Welcome to Sex Chat for Christian Wives, where four marriage and sex bloggers discuss the naked truth. What does God really want for the sexual intimacy in our marriage? I'm Jay Parker of Hot, Holy, and Humorous. I'm Chris Taylor from The Forgiven Wife. I'm Gay Christmas of Calm, Healthy, Sexy. I'm Bonnie Burns of Oyster Bed 7. This is Chris at Sex Chat for Christian Wives. In one of our episodes about lies women believe, we talked about the idea that many women feel that they somehow are not enough sexually or physically. And we mentioned that pornography sometimes contributes to this feeling. Pornography use affects so many marriages, and that includes Christian marriages. And although pornography use is a problem for both men and women, what we're going to do for several episodes is focus on a situation that we know many of our listeners can relate to, a wife who is dealing with her husband's pornography use. We realize that this is a difficult and emotional subject for many of you, and it isn't easy for us either. So we're going to slow the conversation down a bit, and we will spread this over three episodes. Our own Bonnie Burns has faced this problem in her own marriage, and she's written about it on her blog. Our show notes will include links to some of her posts. She's going to share her heart and her story with us. Bonnie thought it might be a little bit easier for her to do this one-on-one, so at first you're going to hear just the two of us talking, just like you might chat with a trusted friend of your own when you face a difficulty in your own marriage. Bonnie had a lot to say about her own experiences with her husband's use of pornography, as well as some really good advice for other wives in that situation. So rather than try to shrink all of that down into one episode-length conversation, we decided to keep the entire conversation but split it into two different episodes. So this episode will start the conversation and then we'll finish that conversation in the next episode. Then there will be a third episode where we talk about pornography uh, with all four of us chatting about what Bonnie had to say, talking about pornography, the effect on marriage, the kinds of stuff we usually talk about. Um, But for this episode, you'll hear Bonnie and me, mostly Bonnie. If you have a husband who's used pornography or if you have a friend whose husband has used porn, Stick around. I think you'll have a lot to learn from Bonnie, and you'll know that you are not alone in what you're dealing with. Bonnie, thank you so much for opening your heart to share with us. I know that pornography has been a real challenge in your marriage. What can you tell us about what was going on? Well, I think first off, I want to say before I delve into our story, first off, it, I will admit, it is really hard to talk about this. I've written about it, but writing about it is just has a different level of vulnerability than talking about it. And I found that when we do talk about it, and my husband is very open with about this subject, he knows we're having this conversation today. He welcomes it because he's all about helping hurting marriages and healing hurting marriages. He's just as passionate about it as I am. The, the one big risk about talking about it is judgment. And I have found that even amidst my Christian friends, when this comes up, I see judgment in their eyes. Like, 
how can your husband be a Christian and he do this? You know, it's a sin. Doesn't he know that? Well, of course he knows that. So here I'm getting a little attitude in my voice. I can hear it. <laughs> ah, of course he knows that it's a sin. And that's that's the struggle. That's that's what we're still still dealing with. But anyways, going back to the very beginning when our story began, you know, I saw it early in our marriage, but it disappeared. And I had grown up in a in a household where boys will be boys and my dad I only saw it once in my house but it was there once so I don't know it didn't like totally freak me out as a young bride to see that but it disappeared and I thought it was gone I thought it was just a flight of fancy or whatever but when it did come back full force it also had it kind of warped into a little more than just pornography, just a little more. And I'm not going to go into all those gory details, but I mean, he was still just a level one sexual, I won't, I won't say, well, we could say addict. There's three different levels. Um, the first level is, you know, just your culturally accepted strip clubs and, and even prostitutes. That's just level one. Um, Level two is when the law gets involved, and level three, I can't remember if it's it's some severe acting out. I can't remember the exact parameters, but anyways, he was still just level one, but it was enough to set me into a major tailspin. We were, we were not having... Um, our marriage was really, you know, I talk on the blog a lot about our dark season. Well, this was our dark season. Um, the porn, we had uh, teenagers, one which was very rebellious. And and you know what? I'll just say this. Our marriage is still not perfect. So I, I come to you as a, someone in marriage ministry who's still very much a work in progress. I've never painted us as anything else than, you know, flawed. We're not perfect even on my blog. Then D-Day happened. And D-Day is my term for the day of discovery, the day that God revealed. Because, you know, Luke, I can't remember the verse, but Luke something, it said that everything will be revealed in due time. So and, what was that like to discover that he was using pornography? Well, it was, <laughs> it was like taking a baseball bat to my picture window of my world. It just, oh. com- yeah, just complete shatter. Um, it shattered the trust of the man, the person in my life who was to be my stability and my rock. It just shattered trust. So if, you know, if he'd been doing all this, what else, what else has he been doing? So I started to question everything about him. Did he have another wife somewhere? You know, just my, my mind went way out into the universe of imagination. The day that I discovered it it was both my my world had been shattered and my world came became very numb. I kind of walked around in a fog for a few days. And then, you'll have to excuse my language, but I got pissed. Oh, I was mad. I was so ticked off that he could do this to me after 15 years of raising his children. And, you know, he was off on business travel, doing his thing. And that's where some of this stuff was going on when he was gone. I was ticked off. And then the trust, of course, was shattered. So, yeah, just a lot of anger, hurt, 
just just all those raw emotions and it simmered for quite a while i'd say i didn't really regain composure for i mean it was probably a month before i could finally just take a deep breath it doesn't mean i was past it in any way shape or form it just means that i could finally look at things with a little more clarity how did you discover it i mean did you oh, keep looking but, at it or did he just come to you and say, hey, honey, guess what I've been up to? <laughs> well, you know, rarely do they come to you and say, hey, honey, guess what? Some do, I will say that. Oh, yeah, and another another disclaimer is that I also realize that not every husband views pornography. Uh, there was a Barna research in 2014 that stated 80% of men sitting in church on Sunday morning have viewed pornography once that month. But you know what that leaves? That leaves 20% that haven't. So I do want to mention that. But that's not my experience. So that's why we're talking about this. So the way I found out was through a bank statement. And this was in about early 2000s. This is before everything was online. I was still looking at paper statements. So And I was still reconciling my checkbook. So that's where it was. He'd been on business travel and had used our debit card. And something was – it was just a name – but I was like, huh, that's an interesting name. <laughs> but, there, but there was Google. So I took that name and I went to Google and I found a strip club. Then I was seething, seething. So, um, so did you, you know, confront him or? Yes, yes. Um, he was again, when I found it, he was not home on business. So you'll see a pattern here. He was gone and he was he was driving home, actually, and I caught him on his cell phone. And I'm sure that was a fun drive for him. Oh, yeah. It was, a, it was a, you know, kind of a quick conversation. Hey, I found something here, and, and I'm sure my tone of voice was not pretty. I didn't yell. And, you know, even during all that, I was angry and ticked, but I didn't throw things, you know. And I did. I wasn't able to watch my tongue because I have learned that words, you cannot, un, you cannot erase words from a heart. So I tried really hard not to, um, I won't say I didn't shame him at first. I tried not, I tried to be uh, respectful, as respectful as I could be in the situation. But when he got home, you know, then we had some serious conversations. So from there, it's been just, from then on, it's been an issue in our marriage. Just because I know about it, it was brought to light it really had been there all along. You know, when I said I'd seen it early on and then it disappeared, it really had been there all along. But you know what? He came to marriage with the problem. It didn't just develop. How on earth did you even start to heal? I mean, you, you said you were really angry for a while, which would be hard to give up even years later, <laughs> that your trust was shattered, that it took you a month to regain your composure. How on earth did you get from that place to being able to talk about it openly and acknowledge that there's still there's still an ongoing temptation, but doing so with great love and respect and care for your husband? I mean, you've written some amazing posts about being on your husband's team and supporting him in this journey. How did you get there from finding the secret on the bank statement? Well, I'll tell you, it's been almost, it's been 18 years, 15 years, 15 years. So, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. 
that's that's the big crux. It takes time, and we want things to happen overnight, and we want to we want our emotions to be calm overnight. Yeah, healing's a process, though, isn't it? Yes, healing is a big process. I was part of a 2005 Cincinnati Christian University study entitled "The Traumatic Nature of Disclosure for Wives of Sexual Addicts," and what that study showed. Well, basically, it revolutionized the treatment process for wives of porn and sex addicts because initially it was thought that the wives of addicts bring certain dysfunction with them into the marriage and somehow they enable their husband's addiction. But this study, yeah, this study showed that although some wives do bring dysfunction, most are responding emotionally to a very traumatic event, which creates symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. And another outcome of that study was it showed that it, typically takes four years before you can think about that moment of discovery without having an emotional reaction. So it took me four years to not get really pissed off when I thought about that. And I'm sorry if that word offends anyone, but that is just really how I felt. So (laughs) I know some people don't like that word. I'm glad you talked about the post-traumatic thing. I had forgotten you were part of that study. Yeah. That really unveiled some, I mean, that just revealed a whole lot. So, and it's just so important for women to know it's going to take time. And, you know, there was that other study of Shanti Feldhan that she, and I really wanted to find it, where she says if you give it five years. Oh, yeah. If you give it five, if you're having a problem in your marriage, five years later, the people who indicate that they are having trouble in their marriage in five years, if they've stuck with it, they're happier. Yes. Yes. And so I think there's a correlation. Time. So you did you were part of the study. You were past that initial 4 years. Yeah, I think when I took that I think when I was part of that it had been I think the parameters with was it had to have been less than 2 years to be a test subject, I think. I can't remember. So but you, I think it'd been 2 years or less since I, the discovery. So you were past feeling raw but you were still angry and hurt i was probably i was past feeling most of that unless i specifically dwelled on the moment you know unless i specifically started dwelling on it i was pretty much past it i think well didn't the study ask you to dwell on it a little bit yeah yeah it did and they wanted you to know if you think about it right now what do you feel you know so, so yeah so was being part of that study part of your healing? Here's a funny thing. I didn't even realize what had happened to that study until after I started the blog. I was, to, I was looking up pornography and these names. I found the study and these names sounded really familiar and I looked at it and I'm like, I'm in that. This what, I'm in that. This is what I did. <laughs> your, your pain and your trauma ended up being something that helps other wives, even aside from your blog, you were part of something. I think having it named post-traumatic stress or having those symptoms, that has to be helpful because I would imagine there are times when you think, am I crazy? Why should I feel like this? nobody else yep. talks about this? Exactly. Exactly. Because your trust is shattered and you question everything about him. Then you start questioning, you questioning your own ability to make good decisions. Because if, if I trusted him and I shouldn't have, what else have I 
made poor decisions about? You know, what what have I trusted that I shouldn't? Um, so then, yeah, you start feeling crazy. However, the healing, the healing can happen. You just have to. Here's the here's my three key points to my healing. You know, I grieved, and and truly, there's those what is it five or six steps of grief because I was grieving the man I thought I knew, but I was really grieving the idealized picture of the man I thought I knew, you know, the knight in shining armor. I was grieving that fantasy of the perfect guy. You were grieving the loss of what you thought you had. Yes. Yes. And, and then, you know, there's the denial and, anger and all of those things. Yeah, you go through those. And you got to give yourself the space to do it. Some people, I think, want to rush into, you've got to forgive him right away. Well, I think you can forgive within a pretty short period of time. Within six months, I had we had reached the forgiveness stage. But then there's the trust, because forgiveness and trust aren't synonymous. Forgiveness does not mean that there are no consequences and no impact on the relationship. Exactly. So what started to happen was uh, me being the reader and very much into, um, you know, counseling and that type of thing. Yeah, I started finding some really good books and reading them and then he was reading them. And the book we found at that moment in time early on was called Sex, God and Men by Dr. Douglas Weiss. He's a yeah, sex addiction therapist in Colorado Springs. He does a great, great retreats. Um, but he, his focus was, is a lot on sexual anorexia, which can happen from porn use and sexual abuse in childhood. Intimacy but anorexia or sexual anorexia? It's, it's both because, because I, believe that uh, pornography use is an intimacy disorder. Yeah, so we sex got in men, and that kind of lifted the lid on the intimacy disorder because it talked about men who use pornography typically are masking, you know, some deep pain, and they don't even really recognize emotions. They, they put a lid on them for so long. So... They, he had a, a um, exercise to do in the back of the book, and we've been doing this exercise for about 15 years now. One is you pray together. The second thing is to praise each other. And the third thing is to pinpoint what you're feeling that day or what you felt in the past 24 hours. So that really helped. How did that help? I mean, just because it was forcing him or forcing both of you to put at least one feeling on the table? Mm-hmm. So what I discovered was I kind of had as almost as much emotional work to do as he did. Like, you, you want it to be all his fault, and, it, and his sin is his fault, but when you discover that you got your own work to do, it's just, what a bummer. It'd be yep. so much nicer for him to have to do all the work. Exactly. Exactly. So, and it was at this point too, that I started working on the marriage bed because I'll be quite honest, there wasn't much going on. So how did he even, if if he was struggling with intimacy issues, 
how was it that you even, you know, so you called him on the phone and said, hey, I found something. How did you even get him to agree to work on anything? I think if we look at the patterns of our husbands, most of our husbands have good-willed hearts. So that's what I did. I looked at the pattern of my husband. He loved his children. He provided for us very well. He, um, you know, we went to church three times a week. Whatever I needed, I had materially. Always food in the pantry. There was always a roof over our heads. He served you know, he cut grass for old ladies down the street. He he served. He had a good heart. And I knew that. So even though my trust was shattered and I started to question if he had, you know, other wives and all that kind of thing, in looking at the pattern of his life, I knew what kind of man he was. And so that kind of man is the kind of man who's willing to work on their stuff. We're going to pause our conversation now, and we'll be back with our next episode where Bonnie shares more of her story. One of the really great things that she talks about in that part of the conversation is the distinction between sin management and soul care. So I hope you join us next time where we find out a little bit more about how we can respond if we find out our husbands are using pornography. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for joining us today on Sex Chat for Christian Wives. We encourage you to check out our website at sexchatforchristianwives.com where you can find show notes and links to resources. That's sexchatforchristianwives.com. Also, if you enjoyed our podcast, please take a few minutes to leave a review on iTunes so others can find the show. And tell a friend about us. Word of mouth is one of the best ways to reach out to new listeners. We appreciate you being with us today. And we pray that God blesses you this week as you pursue healthy and holy sexual intimacy in your marriage.